So this evening is uh, November 14th. It's 2012. Our message today is uh, called Buy a Shovel. Yeah? Come on, say that with me. Buy a shovel. <laughs> All right, just want to make sure you're awake. You in Proverbs 14? Let's read the fourth verse. Where there are no oxen, the manger is empty. But from the strength of an ox comes an abundant harvest. In the Holy Ghost-filled community, in the body of Christ that believes in a baptism in the Spirit, there are some byproducts that were unintended. I'm talking about that S-word. Sin. I'm talking about sin, friends. See, it seems that because people struggle with sin, that you can stretch forward to try to move in the operations of the Holy Spirit, and sometimes sin gets in the way. Have you ever seen a man try to do something for God, but there was more of that man in it than there was of God in it? You ever seen somebody want to build something for Jesus, but their name got brighter than his somewhere along the way? It's sin. Now, what this scripture tells us is that if you want a giant harvest, you need an oxen. But if you own an oxen, your manger is going to get full sometimes. What's it going to get full of? Sin. Sin. The S word, Dustin. Sin. I'm telling you it's time to buy a shovel and shut up. It's time to not throw out the oxen that brings the harvest because of people's sin. So people don't get this right all of the time. Maybe you got in a prayer line and somebody pushed you. Maybe they got overzealous and prophesied something to you that is not true. Buy a shovel. Let us learn to chew up the meat and spit out the bones. But what we are not going to do is give up on the harvest. And there is only one way to get a harvest. And that is by the power of the Holy Ghost. If you want a great harvest, you have to have the oxen, friends. But if you have the oxen, what are you going to have? You're going to have some sin. You've got to shovel. Now, the oxen didn't bring it. That's not a perfect analogy. It's men and their sin. The oxen is there to work the harvest, not to make a mess. But the byproduct because of men and because of sin is that it doesn't always work right. The Holy Ghost works right all of the time. Amen? Amen. But men don't work right all of the time. Amen? Amen. So what we're going to learn to do is we're going to learn to shovel out what doesn't belong. But we are not going to throw away the baby with the bathwater. Come on now. Let us do this. Turn with me to John, um, Romans 15. Tell me when you get to Romans 15. In Romans 15, skim down. Look at the 13th verse. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. How much joy? Oh. Come on, who's got some joy tonight? Oh, we've got joy. If we were in, when we were in a denominational church of some kind, we used to say, we got joy. Yes, we do. We got joy. How about you? And then the other side would do it, right? How are we going to say we got all joy? When you got all joy, friends. It better show somewhere. Sometimes can people be silly because they're joyful? Sometimes can it be misplaced? Yes, but we bought our shovel, remember? We're not going to throw out joy because some people don't handle it well, right? May the God of hope fill you with all joy as you 
Trust in Him. You want to please the living God? It occurs by trusting Him. You want to put a smile on the heavenly's face? It occurs by trusting Him. And when He fills you with joy, it is easier to trust Him because Nehemiah 8.10 says, His joy is my We cannot walk around sad and depressed. This is the tool of the enemy. So we pray for joy and we believe we've received it by acting joyful. Come on, saints. The way that Christianity works is it is in action. Christianity is not a, a philosophy. It's not an ascent. It is an action. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of... Come on now, how much Holy Spirit is in your life? We are supposed to overflow with hope. Overflow with the power of the Spirit. Why did you come worship tonight? Why did you get in this building and begin to sing songs? And when you sing the songs, are we lying? Do we say lifting up our hands to you? Do we say falling on our knees, rigidly standing still? Friends, do not sing words that you do not mean. Let us not be liars in the house of God. Let our words and our actions match. So if the song says lifting up hands, drop your pride and lift your hands. Because the living God is looking for an action out of your life. He wants you to do things in the kingdom, not believe things. We are supposed to overflow with joy. Turn with me to John 10.10. 10. Tell me when you're there. Turn quickly. we got a bunch to get to. In John 10, sorry, my mustache is attacking my mouth tonight. It's rebelling. I ate too many cheeseburgers this weekend. Zeke made me do it. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Is there another translation in here tonight? I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. You know, this is one of those interesting words in the Bible. It's perisos. P-E-R-I-S-S-O-S. It means exceedingly abundantly. It means excessive. It means overflowing. The living God came to bring you His life. And not just a little bit of life. He came to bring you bucketfuls of life. He didn't come to give you an eyedropper of joy and hope in life. He came to cause it to rush out of your being into everyone around you so that the world would be different because of what He did in you, Caitlin. Amen? Amen. He came that you would have life and life excessively, abundantly, exceedingly, great big, overflowing torrents of life. This means when you enter the room, you are what changes the room because of the person that you brought with you. How many of you know the scripture says that there is a friend that sticks closer than? Brother. Come on now, do you really think, do you really think that in high school, you walk up and slap Matt if Eric is standing beside him? No, because what do we say? I've got his back. We have a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and he is there for you to have exceeding, abundant, overflowing, torrential 
life. What do you think it is when we don't? It's like saying he's not really here. He's not really with me. I don't really believe. I am not going to trust him because of my circumstance. Now we've made the creation bigger than the creator. Come on now. You know how you repent. Let me show you what repentance looks like tonight. That's what repentance looks like tonight. When you believe he's with you, how are you going to be sad? How are you going to be upset? Where is depression? Depression ought to get in its car and run from you if Jesus is with you. Let's, we don't have to put up with this. We don't have to stand still for it. I have seen people get out of wheelchairs in the name of Jesus. I've seen drunk men attack and not be able to hurt. I've seen people healed. You remember when you got healed, Jennifer? Oh my goodness. Stood up out of a hospital. Pulled the IV out of her arm and said, get out of my way. I am going home. Except we didn't go home. We went to the prayer meeting. We serve the God of all Power. What are we going to be sad about? We're going to have a little bit of life or a lot of life. Come on, you ever heard the phrase, bigger than life? Come on, that ought to be, your, your name ought to be next to it in the dictionary. If there were an urban dictionary that explained the phrase, bigger than life, it ought to have the picture of a Christian right there. Bigger than life. You know why? We're supernatural. We're filled with power. The living God is inside of us. I'd like to show you something in Mark 3. Is that okay? Amen. Gentlemen, if you can put those on the screen, it'd be fantastic. If not, praise God, he saw fit to give us a Bible. Mark 3.14. Tell me when you're there. Somebody read it out when you're there. Read it loud like, you, like you're proud that God gave you a Bible. That they might what, Brandon? That they might what? Come on now. Is Jesus with you or are you with him? And if you're with him and he appointed you to be with him, how are you going to be sad? He chose you. He appointed you. And what did he appoint you first and foremost to do? To be with him. Come on, he appointed you to be with him. Come on, do you know that when you hang around someone, you become like them? Was I the only one that was not only in the bad crowd, I formed it? Look. We had to drive around in my hometown here recently, and on every corner, I found myself ducking my head. You know? That's like, what's wrong? You remember in that parking lot? What? Oh, yeah, let's go somewhere else. You remember in that football stadium? What? Yeah, let's go somewhere. Oh, my God, we're at that restaurant. <laughs> right? But now I've been with Jesus. I've been with Jesus. Come on, no, nobody's been with Jesus? Yes. Yeah. You act like you don't know him. You act like you don't know him because if you know him like I know him, you're excited to think he's sitting next to you. We're talking about the God of the universe, friends. We're not talking about a politician. We're not talking about a normal man. We're talking about unlimited Holy Ghost power. Have you been with Jesus? Because that's what he appointed you for. That's what he selected you for. And after you've been with Jesus, you know what he says? Then you can preach. Go with me to Acts 1.8. Tell me when you get to Acts 1.8, this is a classic Pentecostal scripture. Don't you love how we have Baptist scriptures, Pentecostal scriptures, Methodist scriptures? We got any Catholic scriptures? <laughs> Are you all in Acts 1.8? But you will receive... Come on now. 
If you're going to say you receive power, if you're going to say that, what do you got to have? Power. Does that sound powerful, Mike? Does that sound like something that the hordes of hell are running from? Power, brother. Did you receive something, friends? Power. Power. Unlimited, unadulterated, pure, perfect power. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Look up at verse 4. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Now which is it? We're going to receive power and we're going to be witnesses or we're going to wait? Which is it? You're going to wait or you're going to go? We're going to wait or we're going to go? Which is it? You can answer, it's okay. We're going to go. It's both. It's both. How is it both? They wait until they receive power, but did they leave as soon as they got power? Did they run off on the day of Pentecost, the apostles? No. No, no friends, they hung around Jerusalem almost 10 years. You know why? Because after receiving power, they got to spend time with those who also had it. They got to rub shoulders with each other. The iron began to sharpen the iron. They got spurred on by one another's faith. They learned what it was to have a fellowship of power. They learned what it was to watch Brent Vincent preach the gospel. They learned what it was to watch Spencer McCrane pray for the sick. They learned what it was to watch Jacob stand for the rights of an unborn. They learned what it was to fellowship in power. And after they got a taste of it, after they found out what it was really like, what it was supposed to be, he said, now go preach this. Now go teach this. Now go do what you have learned right here, out there. This is your time for power. Come on, look at your buddy next to you and say, get some power. Come on now, tell him get some power. Check this out. If the person on your left and your right are more power-filled than you, more spirit-filled than you, it is a good, good day. Because when you've fallen, there's somebody there to pick you up. When you are discouraged, there is somebody there who is full of enthusiasm that stirs you up. Amen. We're supposed to be filled with power, and we do not neglect the fellowship of the saints. We move from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. After receiving from God, we take it to them. But you cannot give them what you do not have. So have you received power? Yes. yes. If you've received power, then you are powerful. Come on now, that's not something. You know, for some reason, a woman can put a bumper sticker on her car that calls herself an ugly word, and people celebrate that now. I don't know why. People can call themselves racial epithets, and that's celebrated today. But a Christian cannot stand in church and say, I am full of power, even though the Scripture says we are full of power. It's almost as if there is a continual propaganda campaign to convince you you are powerless when the Word of God says you are powerful. It's almost as if if we let you off the chain, if you understood who you are and what you're capable of, then hell would have to fear you instead of you fearing hell. Maybe this is why preachers have turned to preaching about money instead of power. If they had enough power, they would not be begging for your money. If they had enough power, they would. I, I just heard a man stand up in front of 1,500 people 
rebuke a pastor and say, if you won't support me, then you can stand back. I defy you to watch the, the ravens fill the air carrying my provision in. And he did it in front of his whole church. You know why? He believes he's full of power. He's not at all concerned about what people think about him. He wants to get the work of God done. Do you feel bad for the pastor? Nope. Well, I'm a pastor, so I kind of... <laughs> but the Bible says to rebuke an elder publicly. That's the first time I've ever seen that done when I was not doing it. <laughs> Why don't we do this? Why don't I give you three brief, brief benefits of tongues? We don't talk about this enough. I'm not going to give you all of the theology tonight. I'm going to give you three brief benefits of tongues. Turn with me to the book of Corinthians while we're talking about power. Tell me when you're in the 14th chapter. There. Anybody in here got a pencil? You want to write these down. And, and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to ask you a question right up front. Which of these is the most unappealing to you? Which of these jumps out and says, no, not for me, buddy. I'm not having any of that. How about Corinthians 14.2? It goes like this. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Who in here thinks speaking to God is a bad idea? Why don't you just get your hand up right now and tell me if speaking to God offends you? No one? Then why wouldn't we want to do it? If speaking in a tongue speaks to God, why would we not want to do it? How about the second one? Why don't we look at it like this? Here's the fourth verse. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Anybody in here fasted this whole year? No? You fasted the entire year. Brandon, I would not have guessed that. I'm not going to tell you why I wouldn't have guessed that, but I would not have guessed that. Anybody fasted the entirety of the year here? No. We're in November. You mean you did not get your 11-month fast on? Why? Why do you need to eat, Cass? Do you mean that you have to be edified to survive? Yes. Why would we want to do that? We want to die. We don't want to speak to God. And we would like to go ahead and die right now, okay? Speaking in tongues, the second verse says, causes you to speak to God. The fourth verse says, it edifies you. Why would we want to do that? I don't know, maybe we want life, an abundant life. Why don't you turn to the book of Jude? Have I offended you? No. I'll work at it. I will get good at it. It may take me a little while, but I will eventually get there. In Jude, how about we see the 20th verse? But you, dear friends. Now, you know what we ought to do? Let's back up to the 19th verse. It's hard to leave that one out. Is that okay? These are the men who divide you. Who follow mere natural instincts and do not have. These are the men who divide you. Men who follow mere natural and do not have. Who divide you? What is divisive? 
Is tongues divisive? Are the spiritual gifts divisive? Or is it divisive when somebody follows mere natural instincts and does not have the spirit? What divides you? Mere natural instincts divide you. It makes you fit perfectly with the animal kingdom, but it does not make you fit in God's kingdom. If you want to walk in God's kingdom, you need to be born of the substance of His kingdom. You are born of the water, but you must be born of the Spirit. Oh, is He saying you must speak in tongues to be born again? Why? 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 In God's name, why would we make this so complicated? You cannot speak in other tongues unless you are already born again. But if you are born again, you are born of the substance of heaven, and there is no limit to what you can do because you are filled with power. 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 And you have overflowing, abundant life. What did verse 20 say? Somebody read it. Read it out loud. But you, dear friends, build yourself up in the most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Why would we want to build ourselves up in the holy faith? Why would anyone want to do that? We would like to fail. We hope to die. And we definitely don't want to speak with God. Three reasons we don't want to speak in tongues. Obviously, I'm being facetious. I can't spell it, Brent, but I can say it. Facetious. Listen to what I'm saying, guys. The devil is working to keep us ignorant of the power that is ours. But when we can speak to God, in languages that surpass our understanding, when we can be edified in our innermost being, when we can be built in the faith, why would we say no to such a thing? There's only one other reason. We have decided that because somebody one time, somewhere in some mythical place while riding a unicorn, did something wrong with that oxen. We've forgotten that the Holy Ghost is the power of the harvest. And instead, all we have been focused on is the craziness that has surrounded people that claims to be moving in the Holy Ghost. I'm saying buy a shovel and flesh, shut up, because I'm going all the way with the living God. Amen. I want all He is. I want all there is. I say, powerful Holy Ghost, fall upon us. Mighty God, drench us in your spirit. We need the power of heaven on earth that we would have your abundant life, mighty ones. We want the abundant life. I have a couple more scriptures for you before we let you go. Is it okay? Yes. You want to quit now? No. Jennifer, you wanted to preach? You ready? You had something to say? No? Okay. Then we'll move on. Why don't we do this? Let us go to Acts 13. I was sharing this with Brother Zeke, and one of the things you find when you speak with brothers with power, it feeds, it edifies, and it reciprocates. So if I'm speaking with Mario about the goodness of God, it begins to well up in Mario. It begins to come right out of his belly. And before long, Mario's saying something about the goodness of God right back to me. And you know what happens? Mutual edification. It's almost like God knew if we fellowship together, it would make us more powerful. But the devil thought if he could isolate you, if he could get you off by yourself, drown you in your own offense, it would make you weak. Do you think the devil wants you weak or powerful? Dustin, let's pretend that you have to steal from me. 
you have to kill me. You have to destroy my vision. Would you prefer me to be edified, connected to God, and built up in my most holy faith? Or would you prefer me to be weak, emaciated, disconnected, and alone? Let's just pretend you and I have to square off and lock horns right now. Do you want me sick or healthy? If Dustin's smart enough to know the best way to attack a man, do you think that the prince that has held this world in his hands doesn't know? Why do you think he's been lying to you? Why do you think he's been trying to keep you from what God has for you? The book of James says every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes from above. I'm just going to tell you, because we're filled with power, the Lord arranges our footsteps. And in arranging our footsteps, in the last three days, we have driven 25 hours. In the last three days, we have picked up a tent that is 40 by 80 and 20 feet tall because we believe that powerful preachers will arise from our midst and take the gospel to the third ward and all of Houston. Amen. In the last Amen. three days, we have spoken with two Baptist pastors about the baptism and the Holy Ghost while standing in their own churches, and we will not stop until they are filled with the power of heaven. And you know what? They like it. Amen. Amen. In the last three days, we have done the difficult to restore a ministry, to repair broken friendships, to stand up and simply say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. That takes the power of heaven, friends, because the flesh doesn't want any of that. But I brought my shovel and I said, shut up, flesh. Shut up and get out. I want the harvest. In the last three days, we spent our time talking to a couple that asked their pastor for marriage counseling. And although you can throw a rock and hit his house from their house, he doesn't have time. So you know what? Your eternal covenant is important to me. Is it important to you? Tears streaming down their face. Yes, it's important to me. Well, I happen to like Greek food, and there is some in your city. Pick a day of the week, and I will drive here every week and make sure you get what you need. Do you want to see people filled with power? Do you want something to overflow from your life or is this all about you? Is it worth a little drive to see somebody's marriage safe? The fact that there's Greek food there is a bonus. It's a plus. Probably we should be in Acts 13. Are you there? Acts 13, here comes the 36th verse. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, let me stop there. David had a purpose. David also had a generation. <laughs> Mr. Fred belongs to a generation. Jacob belongs to a generation. Olivia belongs to a generation. And apparently, that generation belongs to them. His own generation. It's time that we take responsibility for our generation, our sphere of influence, because we are the ones that are filled with power. We are the ones with the abundant, exceeding, torrential, overflowing life. That is us. And we have a generation. We have a sphere of influence. When David had fulfilled God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. You have a purpose. God put you here for a reason. He wants a product.
from your life. It is produced by faith. The only thing that counts. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Galatians 5.6 tells us that. So let me ask you, in what way does your love for God affect your generation because it belongs to you? And you're not supposed to go sleep with your fathers. You're not supposed to taste of death Amen. until you completed that work. Amen. How are we doing? Have we eaten the bread of idleness? Have we filled our lives with so many comforts that we have forgotten that we were here for a purpose? Have we become so distracted by all of our entertainment that we have forgotten that we are the most powerful thing in the universe, overflowing, torrential, exceeding, abundant life that they need? Friends, hell is forever. It is forever and ever and ever. And I'm just like you. I have some relatives that have made me so mad, I thought, tried not to say, that they could just go ahead and go there. But God gave me the power to witness to them of life and kingdom. How can I stand by with the cure for their disease? Why? Because I was insulted? Why? Because I was spit on? Why? Because I got my feelings hurt. God is bigger than our feelings and His power is bigger than your weakness. Are you filled with His power? Amen. 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 Prove it. <laughs> See, because if you're filled with His power, you can do things other men can't do. Amen. You can step up and say, J.J., I'm sorry. I repent. You can be the first one to go say, Cass, I need you to forgive me. You can be the first one to say, let me pay for that. Because God takes care of me. I don't know what your God will do to do. You can be the first one to stretch forward in power. That's our job. You have a purpose in your generation. Don't get offended with your relatives. You know why they attack you? They don't understand you. They don't understand you. They're not born of the substance you're born of. The answer is not to become more like them. It's to become more like Jesus, who you were appointed to be with. And when you're with him, friends, he ought to be rubbing off on you. You ought to look an awful lot like him. You ought to act like him. It's his power that's in you, Steph. It's his power that's in you, Steph. Are you filled with power? Come on, filled with power. Turn with me to 1 John. Here comes 1 John, the second chapter. There. There. Have I bored you? No. You want to go home? No. no. You got something on TV you want to watch? No. no. If my life was required of me this week, I want to make sure that I would be proud of what has happened. I have a flooring project at Fred's I'm not proud of. It hadn't gone the way that I wanted to. Good thing I'm not done yet. Right? Am I the only one in the room that doesn't want to be judged on a project that is not yet finished? <laughs> My life's work is not yet finished. <clears throat> I haven't faced the judge. The judge snuck a little bit of his power, a little bit of his spirit, a little bit of his son, 
right into my life and let me spend time with him so I could prepare to meet him. Amen. What a kangaroo court. I get to stand before the Father and his son is my attorney. Amen. And his spirit is inside me. What's going to condemn you, friends? What is going to convict you? What is going to cast you out? How could we ignore salvation like this? How could we not access power like this? How do we sit in a church and not take advantage of every bit of this? 1 John 2 is a verse that Zeke gave me. It is a good verse. We can begin at about the 28th verse. And now, dear children, continue in him. Can you continue something you didn't start? My, my tile project, something that I had not done before. I said, Fred, pick out anything. It doesn't matter. I can be a supremely confident person. Jesus will make you that way. When you see him do things in you you didn't think could be done, after a while you actually begin to believe Anything is possible. I said, Fred, pick out any, anything. It doesn't matter. I put it in. He picked out something I had never seen. No problem. I'll put it in. It hasn't gone so well. But it's not done yet. The Holy Ghost entered you so that you could do things you had never done before. So that you could walk in a way you were never capable of before. And maybe it hasn't gone so well. Maybe you shut up when you should have spoke up. Maybe you spoke up when you should have shut up. Maybe you've made a mess of it. So that even other people are going, I don't know if I want an oxen. There's a lot of stuff you have to shovel. They haven't seen the harvest. They've seen the sin. I'm telling you, it's not too late. It's not over. You begin to continue in Him. He's with you. He didn't give up on you, Patricia. He didn't walk away from you. He stands with you, in you. He's with us. We continue in Him. And why do we continue in Him? What's the verse say? And now, dear children, continue in Him so that when He appears, not if He appears... There is a day when the project is done, when you have completed the purpose, when your debt to your generation is complete. Continue in Him so that when He appears, we may be confident and unashamed before Him at His coming. At this point in my life, this is my prayer. I want to be confident on the day that I go to meet Him that he's proud of me. And I'm going to tell you that confidence is mine in Christ Jesus. I will not let it go. It's mine as much as I can look Fred in the eye and say, you find the tile you want and I'll put it in. I can tell you whatever the Lord asks of me, whatever it is, that confidence will be mine because I will be obedient. It doesn't depend upon my talent. It doesn't depend upon my great spirituality. 
It simply depends upon me being obedient in that moment. And He will have my obedience. Amen. So I will have His confidence. Amen. You want to be confident? You want to know that when you pray, He hears you. You want to know that when you go to bed tonight, all is right with you in this world. Obedience is the answer. And maybe your project hasn't gone so well, but you can decide to be obedient right now. You can get it right, right now. You don't have to go another day with doubt and guilt and shame. You don't have to have five more minutes of unhealthy inner dialogue. You can say, go to hell with all of that. I am confident of heaven in my life. Get away from me, devil. Somebody read to me Psalm 40. Just start. Dustin, you love to read. Take your time. Read it. It's beautiful. Read it out loud. Let people hear this. Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. What did he put in your mouth? And when did you get the new song? After the mire, the muck, and the clay. Don't let anybody steal your song. Don't let them take it from you. Don't. That's not hard. Say no. Come on, you knew how to do that when you were two. In your sinful nature, you perfected it. Now in your righteous nature, just look at the devil and say, no, you can't have it. I may have got a little bit of that mire back on my feet, but watch this. No. I still have a song in my heart. I'm Amen. still going to stay in step with Him. I'm going to choose to worship Him. I'm going to be obedient. You can't have my song. It's mine. Don't let anybody take your song. The world is full of people that will tell you you can't. Not because you're a victim, but because something inside of them knows you are here with the answer and they hate it. It makes them guilty. Don't let anybody take from you your song. I drove around my hometown with my friends. I saw the biggest spots of my failures you could find. A ditch that I got in a fight with a guy and knocked out all of his teeth, Charlie. A parking lot where somebody did the same to me for 45 minutes. But you know what else I saw? It's all the place where you put that song in my heart. And I hadn't let it go. And I'm not going to let it go. Not to the very end. It has changed me. I have power now. I don't have to do what the world tells me to do anymore. I don't have to be a slave. I don't have to sin. I have a song in my heart now and nobody's going to take it from me. I am confident there's some words that I'm going to hear, Olivia, and I pray you hear them with me. Well done, my good and my faithful servant. I'm going to have that because he's going to have my obedience, and that's all that's ever mattered. Amen. Nothing else does. There is A and there is B, and the distance between those, friend, is immaterial because I'm going to get where it's called me. It depends upon him, not me. All he needs me to do is do what he told me. We're going to worship. And you're going to receive power. Not because you're perfect. 
not because we're special, but because He wants to be with you. He appointed you to be with Him. You're going to receive power because it's what you need. I encourage you out of your heart, let the right things come. Ask Him for that which edifies you. Ask Him for that which builds you up in your most holy faith. Ask Him for new ways to speak to Him. Who wouldn't want it? Ask Him to renovate your walk so that no one steals your soul. Amen. Let's pray. Let's worship.
Lord God, that your supernatural power would be upon us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.